Mindfulness Mode 147. I just felt into the space of what was there. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, I talk with people from all walks of life to discover the many ways mindfulness has impacted their lives. Last time I talked with Jeremy Ryan Slate. At 29, he is really rocking it. He shared his passion about treating people right, and he's really, really into respect and consideration for others and using mindfulness to be that way. Now, he's put together a list of the top 30 entrepreneurs under 30 who create life on their own terms. And from looking at this list, I know quite a few of them. I know they're truly mindful people. Nicholas and Amanda Bailey, for example, were just on the show at 24 and 22 years old. Wow, they're great. You might want to check out that episode. And Amanda Goldman Petrie, she is rocking it at 26. I've interviewed her. She's coming up in October. Anyway, today... I am excited to tell you that we have a relationship expert. He's totally into mindfulness. He's totally into relationships. And he's from the United Arab Emirates. One of the interesting things Khaled talks about in the interview is travel, mindfulness and travel. And of course, when we travel, we usually do meet a lot of people. And he said he's very outgoing and he meets a lot of people. But one of the interesting things was he said, you know, we need to get to know ourselves first and we need to be comfortable with who we are. And then we will be successful in relationships and meeting other people. So I think that you're going to enjoy the episode. Here's one of his quotes. He said, There's something very special about travel and presence and mindfulness. And he goes on to explain in detail. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Khaled Gorob. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I am so excited to have Khaled Gorob here today. He's from the United Arab Emirates. Khaled, are you in mindfulness mode? Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you sounded, I'm telling you. <laughs> Khaled Gorab is passionate about relationships. He knows that healthy relationships make for happier people, and in the workplace, they boost productivity and ultimately the bottom line. Khaled calls himself a systems thinker and has worked as a consultant and coach as well as a leader of workshops. After traveling the world, reading hundreds of books, meeting tens of thousands of people, and learning from the best mentors, Khaled feels aligned with himself and his missions and determined to share with the world. So Khaled, how are you? Oh man, I'm doing fantastic. It's 9pm here in Dubai and uh, I love quiet evenings where we can have a fantastic conversation like this one. That's great. And you really do sound mindful, but tell us what mindfulness means to you. For me, mindfulness is a, is a state or a moment where I feel very connected to my core, just like I am right now. And I feel grounded. My voice goes deeper and I'm centered in one place in time. And that's inside of me. And so is meditation something that you have in your life? You know, meditation comes on and off for me. I mean, I meditated this morning. Uh, Last week, I didn't meditate, for example. Mm -hmm. But 
it has played a big role. And especially uh, in my religion, we have prayer that looks exactly and feels exactly like meditation. So you can say it shows up in different forms at certain times. Well, that's what I find a number of my guests say, you know, prayer is their meditation or jogging is this other person's meditation or whatever. I think we're all different. And I certainly think that prayer is a form of meditation many times. So you've done a lot of world travel. And as you travel, that can be very hectic and and so on. But how do you keep calm and stay focused when you're traveling? It's an interesting question. I think uh, just being in the airplane itself uh, is an experience on its own. Looking through the window, so I always get a window seat. Uh, that by itself is a fantastic form of meditation. Uh, I love taking train rides. So there was a point in time when I also lived in Italy and train rides just take me on a trip. Literally a mental, mindful trip. So uh, looking through the sky, wondering uh, and watching people, I I don't know. There's something very special about travel and presence and mindfulness. It's like a completely new place. And just being the observer in that moment just helps me take in everything in that moment. That to me is fantastic mindfulness and a form of meditation and travel. So when you're traveling, do you just, do you walk up to strangers or if you're sitting beside somebody, you strike up a conversation? I know you're all about relationships. Mm. So I'm just curious about some of the relationships you make when you're traveling. Well, curious is my middle name. Um, because, <laughs> <laughs> so for, for me, I think one of the biggest pieces that people miss when it comes to travel, because people go to the museums and uh, they go to have the good food or stay in a nice hotel or something. But for me, it's the people. So yes, uh, I'm quite extroverted. I love people so much and I will do what it takes to learn a word or two from somebody else's language um, and, and ask them something in their language or try to strike up a conversation with another tourist or somebody who's there who knows how to speak English. It's so important just to understand what these people think about and how they think. One of the biggest uh, indicators for that was when I lived in Europe, I realized that in order to speak Italian, I have to think Italian. Mm. That was a big moment. And actually, in some shape or form, that is actually just thinking about it right now, it's an act of mindfulness because I had to switch off a part of my mind and my thoughts to go somewhere else new there, like a new room, and spend time there. So it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Can we dig into that a little more? I really, really like that. To speak Italian, you have to think Italian. So yep. how do you immerse yourself into thinking Italian? How do you do that if you're a visitor to the country? Well, for, luckily for me, just staying there for the first week, I was able to take in the culture, they have a very warm approach towards life, uh, very similar to what we have here in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. So I could already link to that and connect with it very well. The second, I noticed that they use their body language 10 times more than we do. So I had Mm -hmm. to use my body language and be more expressive. When I talk, I have to enunciate more. Uh, I have to use my chest and my arms and my legs and everything. Right. Right. So that to me got me into the space of thinking Italian, 
I looked at how they eat. That's thinking Italian. I looked at how they walk. That's thinking Italian. Uh, and that helped me learn the language outside of the classrooms. Because at some point, like I said, I lived there. And I didn't know anybody. Uh, I didn't have a mentor. It was just me by myself going there to reevaluate my life. And all I had to do was learn from the streets of Italy. And by the, th- by the third month, I was able to get the dialect before the language. And so when I spoke Italian, people thought, oh, this guy can speak Italian after all. Uh, and I would tell them, no, I'm, I'm still learning, but I got the dialect because the dialect has the music in it, has the body language in it, has the chest movement in it, the, uh, the way we enunciate. It's, it's brilliant. I, I truly believe that this is the core of learning any culture and any language. Wow. And I think you're brilliant. I mean, in two weeks, you observed all this and were able to in- incorporate it into you. Tell us about another country where you were able to do something similar. Um, gosh, I haven't traveled to Europe in a very long time since Italy. I think it was, um, I think when I was 17, turning 18, I went to Germany in a very quiet city called Heilbronn. Mm-hmm. And Heilbronn, when, if I remember correctly, is a fairly quieter city than other cities in Germany that I visit, like Frankfurt or Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't learn the language at the time because I was young and reckless. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I had to understand that because the, the vibe or the energy field, if I could speak in deeper terms, was mm-hmm. like that, I had to calm myself down in order to connect with the people more. And when I calm myself down to to match their energy, to match how they felt, I was able to open up and understand what was going on. Ironically, though, I learned a very bad word first before I could learn the language because somebody <laughs> somebody uh, used uh, their creative language on somebody else in the streets. So how did you calm yourself down? You had to calm yourself down mm. before you could could reach that. How did you do it? For me, it's it's all about the kinesthetic experience. I'm a very feely person. Uh, and I, I don't know if this makes sense to many of uh, the people listening, but I will say it as it is. I just felt into the space of what was there. It's kind of like standing on top of a mountain for the first time and taking in the awe of being on top of a mountain. That's exactly what I did. I just took in exactly what was there without having to do anything actively. I, I, I believe I love to observe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was how I took it in. I, I just love observing. So Khaled, did you always know English or when did you pick up English? Um, well, uh, no. <laughs> the, the answer is no because my first uh, language is Arabic. Sure. But because of my education... And uh, I, I went to a British school mm-hmm. and I had to go through the British system. But then I went to an American university, okay. <laughs> which was funny. And this was the time when the British and American systems were coming into uh, the United Arab Emirates and our education was based on that. And thanks to the movies, we were able to get exposed to the accent. Mm-hmm. And back then I remember so well, because this is a learned thing. I remember so well that I had to pick up this accent so that I can sound cool <laughs> and fifth grade. 
And that was true. And once I picked it up, I had some kind of popularity around me. So. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah, yeah. How many languages do you know, Khaled? Uh, at the moment, I know three, but I would love to learn a fourth language at some point. Well, I think so I speak Arabic, English, and Italian. Yeah, well, you seem like a real natural at learning languages. Well, let's talk more about relationships. Let's dig mm-hmm. in deeper. You talked about how that's, that's your passion. So how can we use mindfulness to build our relationships and make them more meaningful? What a great question. A big learning for me around relationships is the ability for people in any context of a relationship to slow down. And when I say slow down is, like you said, to calm ourselves down Mm -hmm. to a place where we can have dialogue. This requires mindfulness, the ability to connect with ourselves first, the way we breathe, the way we're standing or sitting, the way we feel or think. And then to translate that into the opposite person and see what they're experiencing. That, I believe, is so critical in any relationship. It's so important. So we, mm. we need to connect with ourselves first. And, and, and that means feel good about yourself, really, doesn't it? It means to kind of learn about yourself. Feel, is that right? Absolutely. There's, um, there's an interesting uh, metaphor or analogy that I would like to use here. Mm-hmm. People think a relationship is A gives to B and B gives to A. But what I've discovered in everything that I've learned so far is that the relationship is A and B separately give to something called the relationship. So it's like a it's like a coffee mug. And people in the relationship are invested in creating an ingredient list and eventually putting that list of ingredients into the cup or the mug. And that affects the taste because both of us are drinking from that mug. So we are both responsible. Mindfulness is a very important ingredient. It has to be a base ingredient that creates that taste. Does that make sense? That does. I really like that analogy with Mm. the mug. So we're both in our relationship, like for instance, my wife and I, we're both putting into that mug, putting into that mug... Exactly. And that's how you create a successful relationship. Because once both of you drink from that mug, you can go back and reevaluate what's it taste like. And that creates dialogue. And that takes you to in a space of intimacy and depth that the re- relationship will require for you two to grow in the relationship together. So going back to the, uh, the idea of mindfulness, it's very important. There has to be a moment when people sit together and go to a quieter space and just converse and just share love and be open and intimate about what's going on. And honest. Absolutely. Tell us about honesty. It's huge. Honesty (laughs) is difficult. It's difficult because it requires courage and it requires vulnerability. In order for people to to step into honesty, they have to bring with them courage and vulnerability. Honesty isn't just through words. Honesty is through action. If I say something today, I mean it. I have to be honest with my actions. I have to be honest with my words. I have to be honest with myself. If I can bring that into the relationship, man, that creates magic. Yeah, and that's one of the things I, I've learned later in my life is that 
You know, honesty is not just being honest with the other person. It's being honest with yourself. And sometimes that takes some real digging. You know, you think you're being honest. I always thought I was being honest. And then I started to realize, oh, maybe I'm not being completely honest with myself in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And how do we dig below the surface to discover those areas? Well, honesty is one of those values that we can bring in a relationship. But as we know, values and our priorities in life are triggered through our needs. And needs can be referred to uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. If there's something there that's unmet and I try to find that in the relationship, then I'm not being honest with myself. If I can create my own needs for myself, that triggers important values like honesty in the relationship. For me, the space of honesty requires that I need to spend time with myself. Most people today don't spend time with themselves, Bruce. Right. And when I've interviewed many couples, I've discovered something very important about the ones that fail in the relationship and the ones that succeed. The ones that fail don't practice intimacy in the form of honesty and openness. There's mistrust. Okay. And the ones that succeed have rock solid trust that nothing in this planet can break. Right. Yeah. Hmm. That is very mm. interesting. So it's all about vulnerability. It's about honesty. Well, let's talk about something, something really different. And this would be the relationship with yourself. When you get on stage, you're speaking or you're presenting a workshop, you have to be... You know, you have to have a great relationship with yourself, but now you're building a relationship with the audience. Tell us about that. Mm -hmm. For me, building a relationship with the audience has some pre-work and during the, the speaking engagement or the facilitation of a workshop. So before that, I must connect to a special place inside of me where I believe that I can be of service, that it's not about me anymore. It's about them. Once I set my mind and my heart and my body to that space, I can connect with the people easily. Somebody asked me the other day, so Khaled, what's your mission in life like? And I said, for me, I want to be the most open and clear channel I can ever be for people to see through me and themselves the miracle and possibility of love. In order for me to be that, I have to be clear with myself. I have to be practicing something before I meet these people. I have to be open and honest with myself. And once I'm on stage or I'm facilitating a workshop or leading a training, I have to take a moment to scan the room. I don't speak immediately. I just look around in silence and I smile. And for me to tap into that energy field again, I collect data. And once I collect data, I understand how people are seated, what needs to happen, what's missing in this space, what can I create and what can we all create? Does this make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And uh, I'm sure you're a wonderful speaker because I can just tell how well you connect. I mean, even as we're talking here. So let's go back to your childhood Tell us what it was like back then. Did you know way back then that you were going to be passionate about building relationships? Uh, yes and no. 
because the earliest memory I have was with me when I was five year old. And I remember witnessing conflict in my family and my relatives. And I was wondering, why am I here? What does this have to do with me? And why are they making a big mm-hmm. fuss out of this? So it, 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 I think at some point that's when the seeds were planted for me to look into relationships. And I had a reputation as a child for being this open, honest, kind person in the, uh, in, in the, in the family, excuse mm-hmm. me who brings that lightness to the air so that people can be themselves. Right. Uh, so they used to call me, well, in Arabic, but in English, kindness Khalid. Ah. Yeah. Um, and that's what I used to bring to the table. And along the way, I discovered that even though I got into coaching, I'm not the, the traditional coach who says achieve your dreams and goals. I'm more into let's talk about your relationships. Because that's a way of influence as well. So once you talk about relationships, you can really help the person because it opens up it opens up a window inside the person. Is that true? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Because it, it says a lot about that person's model of the world. Because people talk about leadership, Bruce, and they think that leadership today is about taking action only. Mm -hmm. But there's a part that's missed out in many of the books and many of the information out there today. It's about connecting with people. I must be able to lead. And that means I must be able to connect and relate to people and create something long lasting and meaningful with people. That's what's needed. Right. So if I were uh, a CEO and I came to you and I said, well, you know, I, I do want better relationships, but how is it going to really help me make more money in my business? What would you say to them? The first question I would ask him is how many people in his company have memorized the vision and mission and purpose of the company? Most of the time, these people don't memorize it. Memorizing is a form of believing. Ah. And that says a lot about your people, your company, your business. If they don't know, why are they there? So you must find a way as a CEO or an executive to turn this around. Because that means that these people need either trust, security, some form of understanding or connection. Most of the time, because of the corporate environment today, they need connection. People need to believe in something. I watch this thing called Earth Hour that happens every year. Not a fan, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I've discovered something out of observation is that people love to be part of something meaningful. Right. If a CEO can create the very same thing and create a collaborative environment or an ecosystem of connection in their company, they can move things forward much easier. You will have better employee retention, which I call loyalty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't use the HR term. You'll have a collaborative, creative environment at the workplace. People start to produce more. People will come to work happy. This is their second home. They have to come there happy. So this kind of morale, this kind of emotion creates productivity, which is something that Google recently did a study on and validated. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do you get your employees to do this? What would be the first step? I work on the ingredients, going back to that cup. I use that analogy every single time I walk in there. Mm. 
and I let them evaluate what kind of ingredients they think they're putting in there and what are they really putting in there. And that goes through the value system of each person, the belief system. And you begin to have a bigger picture of how people see the company and how they see them, themselves part of it. And there's then there's this other thing that I do, which thanks to a company called um, Center for Rights Relationship, fantastic company I learned under them. They have something called lands work. Lands work is when you get people to stand in each other's lands, like tourists. And they get to import from one another their skill, their, their their skills, their creativity, their leadership, their connection, their tasking. You have to get people to empathize, to step inside one one other's shoes. There are people that have no clue who that other person sitting right across them in the hall is. Right. So when we get them to step into those shoes, it opens up a space of creativity, and they let their guard down. That's when the real stuff starts to come out. That's when they start to talk about the things that are important. And that shifts the direction of the company. That shifts the direction of some people who are there just for the money Mm -hmm. and others who are there to actually promote and contribute. So I call it some kind of a cleansing experience uh, if needed. We've talked about a lot of great aspects to relationships, but what happens when a relationship turns nasty or one person starts to bully the other person? I mean, either in childhood or in a work environment, you know, I've worked in bullying prevention for quite some time and I've found that, you know, mindfulness can really help people through these kinds of situations. What's your recommendation being a relationship expert? Wow. Um, so for, I'll, I'll share a moment when I was bullied as a child. Oh, yeah, please and do. Ha- and and I, w- I wish I had that knowledge at the time uh, around mindfulness and connecting with myself. When I was a child, I remember, uh, I think it was seventh grade or eighth grade. And during recess, we had a very small recess. It was about 20 minutes. So we'd have to eat quickly and then play football or uh, we could, soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the person in class who brought their soccer ball would be the person in charge of the game. So you get to <laughs> lay down your rules if you want. Right. And I did on that day, and I was very proud. It cost me a lot of money. I had saved up for it. And uh, by the end of the recess, uh, one kid from another sc- – uh, sorry, not school, grade uh, – I think two grades beneath him. Well, he was a tall kid and really skinny. Mm-hmm. Um and he just shot the ball. He kicked it out of the school just for the fun of it. Okay. And that, and that pissed me off. Yeah. So I went up to him and I told him I didn't appreciate that. And this kid started to punch me. Mm. So I took that as a form of bullying that um, he just felt it was necessary to, I don't know, do something um, that he felt was right to take control of a situation. And I remember going back to class and I was crying and I, I couldn't breathe properly and everything. Um that bullying experience taught me a lot about how language and how connecting with the person can turn things around. Because later on in life, when I worked around that story, I discovered that this is where I started to understand and learn around, uh, learn a lot about language, influencing people through language. Had to make peace with that past and understand that had I had the knowledge and the wisdom to connect with myself and understand what this kid was going through, I could have influenced them better.
Wow, what a powerful story. Khaled, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness? My dad. Yep, that's my dad. But he, his his mm. kindness, his ability to tell me to be a person who connects people and think of myself as a person of value. So I had to reach that place of mindfulness to find that value. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Um, it keeps them in check. I feel like I have a deck of cards. Some of these are emotions. And some of these are thoughts. When I'm in mindfulness mode, I know which card to pull out. So tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. I breathe from my belly. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned something from Anthony Robbins called priming, where I have to breathe rapidly from my belly to reach a very quiet place inside of me. So this is something I practice, uh, like I said, in the morning. It's very, very powerful. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. It changed my life forever. What a great book. It really is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you share an app of some kind that helps you to be more mindful? Uh, Calm. It's one of the most beautiful apps I've ever tried. It's a fantastic app. It's available on Android and uh, iOS. Great. And I love it too. Mm. What advice would you give to a person who is new to this idea of mindfulness and maybe they're struggling with some of their relationships and they'd like to start getting some mindfulness in their lives? Um, Mindfulness is a gateway to pure love. So if you want to find that out, find out what's important to you first. And then you will open everything else up. It has been really great talking with you, Khaled. I just feel like like you've really opened up this whole area of relationships and, and how important it is and how we can dig in and improve our relationships. Mindful Tribe, I hope you've been really taking mental notes or even physical notes as we've listened to this because... Khaled is just such a knowledgeable person in this whole area of mindfulness and relationships. How can we connect with you, Khaled, and learn more about what you do? Well, you can connect with me on my website, which is khaledgorab.com. I'll I'll send you the spelling. It can be quite complicated. It's an Arabic name. Um, And uh, on my Facebook page, it's facebook.com forward slash Khaled Gorab official. Um, And uh, yeah. And I'm available on uh, Snapchat as uh, G Kappa, K-A-P-P-A. Okay. And if it's okay, I'll just spell your name so people can jot it down. Absolutely. K- K-H-A-L-E-D. Mm-hmm. Well, that's last name. G-H-O-R-A-B. Thank you. That was awesome. So yeah. you, you can check out that website. Yeah. Well, it's awesome to connect with you and have you here. Thank you so much once again. No, thank you, Bruce. It was, it was awesome. It was fantastic. All the best to you. Have a great rest of your day. You too, Bruce. Bye-bye. Right. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes on every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. Well, next time, you're in for a treat as well because we have Michelle Dutro on the show. 
Michelle and I have a lot of fun in, in the interview, and at one point I'm role-playing the part of somebody who's just frustrated. They're going through a drive-through all the time to grab fast food. They're not feeling very healthy. They're discouraged. And she talks about step-by-step-by-step by step by step what I need to do to get my life on track. And that reminds me, Mindful Tribe, speaking of getting your life on track, I'm working on a mindfulness program, a five-module program. I'm so excited about this. I'd love to give you a jump start at the program. I have the modules all fleshed out and I've got much of it put together, but I am looking for a few people as beta testers just to uh, jump in and try some of this out. I know I've already tried it out with a few people and they're just raving about it because I have really been working in mindfulness for a long time and gotten also a lot of great concepts from some of my top level guests. So, you know, if you'd like to be one of the beta testers, I have room for two right now. Just email me, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. If you're feeling anxiety or stress, this could be a great opportunity for you to learn how to lose all of that and start living a happier, more relaxed life. So just send me an email and put relaxed life in the subject line. See you next time, Mindful Tribe. Take what you've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.